0: Father, we thank you for this day, we thank you for um, the weather we're having, uh, the, the joy that we have being together, we thank you for your word, we pray that your spirit once again be with us, give us wisdom and discernment to see Christ and what you've called us to be through your word as we study another section of Exodus this morning. Um, I pray that you do the work that only you can do in our hearts this morning in Jesus name. Amen. All right, this morning, we are in exodus twenty seven, starting in verse twenty. exodus twenty seven starting in verse twenty. We'll be going through twenty eight five. And if you recall, so far, God has given Moses a basic description of the tabernacle, um, all of the furniture, or most of the furniture, uh, the, the materials that are used to build the tent structure around the furniture, the rooms, the veils, all those things. What we're going to see next is uh, statutes that will govern Israel's worship, the um, we're going to see three categories. The, the, the priests, what, what they're to wear, the consecration of the priests, and then general worship, um, lighting the lamps, um, Sabbath keeping, and, um, and offering sacrifices. So those are the three categories we're going to look at on co- commands of actual worship in the tabernacle. But he begins with this third category of commands, specifically the duty to light the lamps, in the tabernacle, and what is to fuel that flame. So let's look at uh, verse 20 of chapter 27. You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. And the tent of meeting, outside the veil that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. Chapter 28. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, A coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. Who's the you that you have in verse 20? Who's the you? Who's he talking to? What does it imply? <clears throat> Moses. Moses we see again this is the duty of Moses to carry this out right Moses role as intermediator between God and his people in relaying these subsequent commands this collection of oil all these things that's going to happen what kind of oil is required first of all have we talked about lamp before we understand what lamp he's talking about It was placed where? Do you remember what room? In the, holy place. in the holy place. Remember the holy place we had? We have three sections of the tabernacle. We have the outer court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And in the holy place there was the table and the bread of his presence and this lamp with, actually it was a lamp stand with seven lamps on it, right? Um, so he's talking about now that it's the duty of these uh, priests that he hasn't, appointed yet, to light this lamp. And there is a duty of the people to give oil for the lamp to be lighted. What kind of oil is required? What does it say? Beaten? Pure? Olive oil? Well, that, and that's one of the debates. What are they talking about? Of course, it's not a huge debate. It's what kind of oil. The idea, and there have been lots of theories of how they do this. You know, whether it's pressed in mortar and, and stone and and uh, what do we call it? Uh, pedestal and mortar. Um, others have talked about grinding off of rooftops and those. I mean, just all these different mechanisms they had for for doing this. The point is that it's very uh, um, laborious process to get pure. Oil that's beaten and, and um, uh, expensive, right? I mean, there's your regular day oil that you'd use for cooking and things like that. This is something very precious, very expensive, not common. It's to be the finest quality of oil. This kind of oil was the most expensive because it was tediously sifted and of the purest quality. So, this is the first commandment he gives to an office he has yet to establish, this priesthood. Aaron and his sons are to keep those lamps burning perpetually forever from evening to morning. From evening to morning. What happens between evening and morning? It's dark. Right? It's dark. So, they are to keep the light on during the darkness perpetually. Right? What fuels it? Pure, beaten, expensive, precious oil. You see that? Okay, let's go home. That's really that's the lesson right there. I mean that, it's the picture. It's a very clear picture, isn't it? But who ultimately is responsible to maintain that the lamps are lit, evening to morning? What does it say? Just Aaron and his sons. Is that what it says? Right. Who's responsible for this duty to be maintained?
1: Everyone.
0: Everyone. Why do you say that? Because
1: Aaron and his sons are the ones to maintain the lighting of it, but they can't do that if the people are not doing their
0: job in providing the oil. So this is a national duty, right? And you see that in the language that's used at the end. In verse 21, it shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by Aaron and his sons? No, by the people of Israel, it says. It's a national duty. You're my people, this is part of it, right? Keep the light lit in the darkness. This is a representative duty for the entire nation. It's not just a tradition for the priest. The, the actual, some translations say, for the people of Israel at that end, at the end of that verse, literally it's on the part of so it 's a representative position that the priests have to do it, but it 's the duty of the people to make sure it 's done. They hold their priests accountable in fact, you 'll see in first Samuel during the the time of Eli uh, Samuel's on the on the bed at night, you know he hear's God say Samuel, and he goes to Eli. remember that you know, hear my i, I didn 't call you. He's this little boy. He hasn't quite learned how the voice of God works as a prophet yet since he was the first one um, at that time. So it says, For the lamp had not yet gone out. It it indicates what time it was, early morning time, but also it's a testimony that the priests had been faithful from the time of Moses to the time of Eli. The lamp had still not gone out. It's it's this perpetual duty they have from evening to morning to do it. It's, it became an idiom of the faithfulness of the priesthood. All right. <clears throat> Look at verse uh, 1 in chapter 28. The lighting of the lamp anticipates the priest. Now we get a picture of the priesthood. Anybody can be a priest. Is that what it says? Out of the chosen people, there are chosen people for a role, for a duty, and it's based upon what? Bloodline. Bloodline. This is a hereditary office. Aaron and his sons. A family that is set apart for this duty to minister to the nation before God. And to display that set-apartness, that separateness, what what does he first look toward? What does he first give a, a, a picture of? A family set-apart wears set-apart clothes. <laughs> right? The first thing he points to is what clothes they're supposed to wear. And again, Moses is the one who oversees the initiation of this, of this priesthood. Look at how he names them. How does he say Aaron and his sons, and their are four sons, how does he name them? He groups them in two that's odd wouldn't you think he'd say something like um nadab abihu eleazar and says. it doesn't group them in two interesting why well, don't we need to talk about your translation <laughs> <laughs> say it isn't
1: it
0: because two of his sons were really wicked two of his sons what happened which ones are we talking about I think it's, nadab, it's nadab, abihu. And abihu. nadab and abihu Something happens to them. One of these days, we will get to Leviticus. It's going to happen. And in chapter ten, we're going to see the story of Nadab and Abihu, who are struck before the Lord because they violate this command: bring false incense, false fire before the Lord. Strange fire. Strange. Is there a conference? Yeah, that's why you reference it every other week. Um, So the way that the Hebrew works and the way that the ESV brings it out (laughs) is that they're groups. Nadab and Abihu are in one section those who disobeyed God, ultimately in these commandments to be a, a pure priest. And then it separates out Eleazar and Ithamar as the two who obey God and take over that role that should have been. I mean, all four of them are consecrated. Wait, so
1: this is before the first two
0: had yet. Yeah. Yep. Prayed. Yep. This is the beginning. They're all consecrated. They're all dedicated as priests. And yet we'll see later that two of his sons don't take it seriously. They do their own thing, and they get struck down for it. Um, all right. How does God describe these clothes? Three adjectives there. How does he describe them? Holy garments. Holy? For glory, for glory and beauty. Holy, glory, beauty. Holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. Set apart. What is glory? Kabod. Kabed. Tomato, tomato. Kabod. Kabed. Is it kabed? I can't remember. Anyways, Hebrew for what? It means something. It means weighty, heavy, right? Does that mean lots of clothes on these guys? They're walking around with ten layers of, what is it talking about? Important. Important. There's a seriousness about this, a soberness about this. The third one, beauty, that word is applied to the finest jewels. Holy glory, beauty. Why are these adjectives? Why do you think these clothes are described like this? Holy, beauty, glory. They represent Jesus. They, represent Jesus. they are uh, characteristics of God, aren't they? Sure are. They reflect God's character. The clothes that they wear reflect who God is. Um, Isaiah 6.3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, Right? Um, Numbers fourteen twenty one. But truly, as I live, and as all the earth uh, shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, is God's glory filling the earth. My mouth was filled with your is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Psalm seventy one eight. Psalm fifty two. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. You see, these are attributes of God. These are descriptors of God, and they're wearing clothes that reflect that. Who is to make the garments? Skillful Skillful people. Okay. Literally, in the Hebrew, that means those who are wise at heart. These aren't writers. These aren't preachers. These aren't wise at heart. These are guys making clothes. Why would they? Why would they call them wise? Why would he call them wise at heart? First of all, what is heart? What does heart reference in the Hebrew mindset? What do you think? The deepest spiritual, uh, the the seat of the
1: spiritual nature
0: of a person. Okay, the essence of who they are. Right, the deepest part of them. Where, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Everything is determined by what's at the core. And it's the heart that is the descriptor that, in the Hebrew mindset. We would, we would say the mind, probably. But, but for them, it was the heart. Um, when an Israelite speaks of the heart, he speaks of the very essence of the person. To be wise was to be skillful in whatever. Making clothes, uh, politics. Um, all of life, there is a reflection of wisdom in whatever you do. We're then given a, um, a a general description of what the of the garments, the breastpiece and the ephod and all that. But the remainder of this chapter gives them in more detail. So I'm not going to go into those in more detail this morning. But you can see the outline of that. Who who was receiving the gold in verse five? Who's receiving the gold? So the skilled workers. It doesn't go to the to so Aaron and his sons, I mean, ultimately does. But it goes to skilled workers. Why didn't he go to Moses? He's not, it's not part of the priesthood. He's not, a, well, he's not a, well, yes. And he's not a, a, a skilled worker on clothes. That's not his job. He's to oversee the whole project, but he can't oversee everything. So these men are entrusted to do what they're called to do and to do it faithfully. Do the materials sound familiar that they're using? the materials. Yes. yes. What do they remind you of? What do they remind you? The tabernacle. the tabernacle. What part? The covering, the veil. The covering, the veil. Which covering, which veil? The inner covering, the inner covering so the ceiling and the sides, and the veil, which veil? The second. The one on the inside. Yes, the holy of holies. What does that tell you? What are they wearing? Okay.
1: They don't have a chair, but they do clothes, do they?
0: I don't know. We'll see. We'll get more detailed Where later. Where are your pictures,
1: then? Well, I was going to turn that.
0: <laughs> so, nevertheless, it what does this convey? What ideas does this convey? The material that's used for their clothes, the design that's used for their clothes. It's
1: very holy, very important, and belongs in the most holy place.
0: What are they wearing? They are the tabernacle. They're wearing... The beauty of the presence of God that's their job and in doing that they are required to be faithful their first duty of faithfulness is to tend to the lamp to keep it lit in the darkness and what's the source of the lamp In keeping it lit a pure beaten expensive precious oil that's the duty The initial picture of the priesthood are those who are clothed in the material of what is used for the tabernacle, for the presence of God. They wear the glory of the presence of God. Revelation 19.8 says, It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen... Is the righteous deeds of the saints. Notice that it was granted to her. Talking of the bride at the um, marriage feast of the Lamb, is the picture here in Revelation. It's talking about the bride, and it says it was granted to her. Did she make it? It's a gift. And yet, she's wearing it.
1: How it, something borrowed?
0: it was a gift, this clothing. It set her apart as a bride. Uh, Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me With a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Ephesians 2:10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, lots of religions do good works. Muslims give to the poor. Isis has schools. They take up taxes and have food programs. Um, All religions are basically just be nice, right? And that's the surface level objection. What's the difference here? God prepared them beforehand. What makes a righteous work?
1: The purpose behind it, the heart issue,
0: couldn't try can't make ourselves righteous, can we? No, we can't. He gives it to us to wear. Yes. So the difference is the heart. The difference is that it's a gift. And yet we're required to wear them. Um, righteousness apart from the heart for Christ is well, what Isaiah says in Isaiah 64. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted, a polluted garment. We will all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, our sin, like the wind take us away. Truly righteous works pour out naturally from a heart ablaze with a love for Jesus. Jesus says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember John 15. Look at the picture in our passage this morning. Clothed in the glory of his presence, that's not natural. And the first call to this new office is a faithful lighting Of the lamp in darkness fueled by the purest source. Fidelity of the heart fueled by the pure word is the first duty of the church. That's the first duty. Do a casual reading of Psalm 119, just in your off time. The fight for faithfulness in purity. How is that done? Through a purity ring. That's how that's done. little ceremony, we all clap. How's that done? Through dressing women up in thick black tents, that's how we keep ourselves pure. How's that working for the Middle East these days? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Beaten and pure. Sifted. Understood. Dwelled upon. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorized. Dwelled upon. Thought through. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. How about the fight for faithfulness against despair? How are we to do that? Gauge the music we listen to on the radio. Make sure it's all upbeat and snappy. Just be happy. Fill our lives with every little distraction. Is that how we fight against despair? Because there's a lot of that going around these days. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. There's really no shortcut in this there's no quick fix here it's oil that is sifted dwelled upon prized as rich and expensive do we prize the Word of God that way do we study it that way how about the fight for faithfulness and hope and purpose and direction Um, city slickers just find that one thing Curly told him, you know, I don't, have y'all ever seen that movie? Is that an old yeah. person movie? Okay. Yeah, alright. Just find the one, it's just the one thing he holds up the finger. Is that, is that the purpose, direction? that Make that your all-consuming purpose, that thing that makes you feel important and special. That's, that's the solution. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, the psalmist says in 119.105. The unfolding of your words gives light it imparts understanding to the simple I'll just as a side note I take great hope in that verse it imparts understanding to even the simple that is uh, Psalm 119, 130 yes it's on my screensaver because it gives hope to the simple my soul longs for your salvation I hope in your word there's your focus. Longing for him to return. Longing for our ultimate salvation. There's our hope. And we know it according to his word. Princes persecute me without cause. But my heart stands in awe of your words. There's a quote this morning. I, can't, I don't know if Chad or Philip posted this this morning. I thought it was very good. God's word will show you what's in your heart. Reading the Bible keeps you honest because you don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you. It exposes you and leads you to freedom. Jesus said it this way, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Dwelling on his word. Light into our path. How about this? Faithful to shine the light in the darkness. Not only are we faithfully trimming the light in our own hearts, are our hearts centered on Christ and zealous for Him and loving Him, but um, out of that should naturally flow the expression of the light in the heart. Light and darkness—that's the picture here. How would you expect that to look? I found something very odd in Philippians about how that should look. When I hear that light and darkness, I think stand against abortion, you know, march on Washington, hold up John three sixteen at football games, you know, whatever—those kinds of things. Philippians two fourteen and fifteen says this. do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And something as basic as how we approach problems, how we approach disagreement. Are we trimming the lamp rightly there? That's not what I would have expected him to say. You shine light into darkness through thankfulness, through living in peace with one another. All right. Ephesians 5 6 through 17. Let me just go through this and we'll be done. Let no one deceive you with empty words. If you're. Guarding against empty words, what's the implication there? That that there are words that are not empty, right? That there's something precious, pure, beaten, and expensive. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. How do you discern what is pleasing to the Lord? I just feel like this is right. This just feels good to me. It's through the Word. All right. making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How are we going to do that? The latest Celebrity Preachers podcast. There's an unfolding. I like the language of the the psalmist, unfolding the word for us. I'm not saying that a preacher's podcast isn't helpful, but we can't rely upon that. You have to be in it yourself. You have to be sifting it yourself. You have to be dwelling on it yourself and prizing it for yourself. The same spirit who wrote the book will illuminate the book. James says this, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He's very generous with it. So how are we doing on this? How are we doing on dwelling on the word of God, staying there, rather than just being Christian because we're living in Tyler?
1: You you know it. You know where they stand because of what they're wearing. Right. In a similar way, we should be wearing the righteousness
0: of Christ so much that you know it. That we display His holiness, His glory, and His beauty Mm -hmm. in. Pagans complain. That's easy. Being thankful in all things. Yeah, thankful that, that God just...
1: lets us wear his character. I mean, if, if I were going to have a brand, I would want you know important people to to uh, advertise it, but get grief. I mean, look at us. And <laughs> God entrusts us with showing his glory. Yeah. It's, it's obviously that it's not because of us, but because of um, the Holy Spirit's work and that's
0: able to happen. It's often in spite of us. And the the sanctification that happens day by day, slowly, painfully, displays His work and His faithfulness to us as we strive to be faithful uh, to Him in displaying His nature and His glory.
1: It, it, It makes me think, like when I get dressed in the morning, I get dressed to fit in. I get dressed to appear
0: like I'm a part of the world. I get mm-hmm. dressed to, to play the part at work or to play the part at church. Yeah, you dress for yeah. success. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. Reminded me of a meme of a guy dressed in that. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. I did. But um, it seems like it calls into question my motive. Should I really be dressing that way with that mindset? Mm-hmm. Should I be changing the way that I appear externally to fit how I am changed internally. Mm-hmm. And,
0: uh, Is righteousness fabric? That, that's, a,
1: that's a tough reality to, to grasp.
0: I think righteousness can be displayed in how we dress. I mean, there's certainly ways that we might dress that aren't exactly exuding righteousness, but I don't know that that's really the all of it. I
1: know, Tammy was talking and I was thinking Hostels. You know, the long hair and the right. makeup and the dresses to the ankles. And I was like, Well, I wasn't really talking geez. about the, the external, I mean, yes, modesty, but.
0: Burkas I, I don't mean, work. I was yeah. talking they about. They just don't work. <laughs> when, when you meet people in a and when you ask for their help and,
1: and, and, and their response is, yeah. you know, and you know they're a Christian, that, that's, that's not living consistently. Right.
0: And, and that can be an external thing. I, I know. I know. That, that can be a, oh, i got <clears> to, <throat> what is it, uh, happen, what, rainbow, uh, what is it, the little, the oh, little, little cat in Lego, Lego, Lego. Uh, Unikitty. <laughs> anyway, it can be an external thing. <laughs> this is the opposite of happiness, you know, that whole thing. It can be inside you that you're not feeling that, right, that you're not doing that. My, my point here, and I think the, the passage teaches that that's got to be an inside out thing. Right. That we strive first to love Jesus through the word that reveals who he is. It should also be coming out. We
1: shouldn't just be loving Jesus so much on the inside that nobody
0: sees it. that's impossible to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But some of us think it's possible. Yes.
0: And if if nobody's seeing it, then maybe we don't have, we're not beating the oil well. (laughs) Maybe that's the way to. Yeah. I think it's a simple, not easy
1: type of thing. Sure. Simple.
0: Go, perhaps, just, just in the smallest details, mm-hmm. it's, just,
1: it's easy to put on the world, like you're saying, green, and go and look like they do, act like mm-hmm. they do.
0: And do you act differently when you wear your um, Alert Academy uniforms? Do you act a little differently? Does, I mean, you know. Not really Not re- well, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yes, we're consistent in all things. Are you aware? <laughs> Are you more aware of what you do? Maybe that's. Absolutely. Yeah. Because people are looking at you going, What is up with this? Right? And so you're, you're aware of the, the gaze. If you identify it, are you less aware of the gaze since you're not wearing. Are, are you, I'm just kidding. So you're aware of the gaze and it, and it acts as a, a restraint sometimes, you know. Um, We're not spitting spit wads out the windows at other cars when we're going down the road when we're in our uniforms. Don't do anything like that. But, but it's the same thing. If you identify as a Christian, if you're out there shining light in darkness, it's a restraint. Yes. Okay. Any anything else? We're running up on some time here. That doesn't mean don't say something. It just means it. Several places. Yeah,
1: but it it talks about that as a daily mm. thing, almost like you're, just like you're, you get dressed every day, but you're also including yourself
0: every day. Right. And, you're do that when you're in the Word. and being in the Word also should affect how you pray, right? Um, because the language changes. If you're memorizing, if you're learning, if you're studying the language of your prayer changes, the, the, the recognition of your need changes. So it affects everything. It should affect everything: how we, um, our, our prayer, our language, how we relate to others, all of that should be, should be expressed through hands and feet.
1: And if we're clothed in um, Christ's glory and beauty, um, it offers protection from the world. How so? Well, I mean, that's what clothing does. I mean, Mm -hmm. consider the the priest's clothing, and I mean, he had a hat to keep the sun off of him.
0: Which is very important for some of us. Yes, I I feel your pain. (laughs) But,
1: I mean, that's just one thing. Sure. The sun beat down on him. Right. Protects him. Right. Putting on uh, Christ's righteousness through uh, mm-hmm. examining His Word and enlightenment uh, from the Holy Spirit, it, it protects us from uh,
0: what the world, that's the sin of the world throws at you. Mm-hmm. Less affected by it. Mm-hmm. What Did you, were you going to say something? It protects you from heat stroke, or, or it, could, it could add to it? Does not? Yeah. In the desert, that would be. Uh, there are some parts of the temple service where they would take off these robes and just walk around the ephod part. Maybe that was part of it, is the the uh, the heat. But nevertheless, the, the display of beauty and all of that is there.
1: Well, the reason they wear robes in the Middle East is because uh, they ventilate. You think that when you're out in the 110 degree desert, that you want like less, maybe thinner shirt or something that mm-hmm. they wear. Hmm. That's
0: what I heard. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) We have our resident Middle Eastern expert uh, (laughs) confirming uh, Ty's proposition. Right? And then it it has a little bit of an air conditioning element to it.
1: My brother always looks at him and he's like, Man, how did they get that that patch? I want that. I want to just wear a robe around.
0: Imagine how comfortable that would be. I'm not there with him, I've got to be honest.
1: I mean, if it was in style and everybody was doing it, I'd, I'd throw in a rope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I have no doubt. Uh, yes. No doubt. All right, well, let's. Uh, any, anything else that we can add to this discussion? You
1: almost ended in a serious
0: note. I can't think of one right now. Let's. What's that? Okay, let's pray, and we'll move on. <laughs> Father what a humbling thing it is to think of the grace that you've given us that you clothe us in a righteousness that's not ours that was bought for us by the precious blood of your son what a great exchange my sin for his righteousness that should cause us to be thankful that should cause us to want to live at peace with each other, to display the beauty of your mercy in the way we live together. I pray that you'd cause that to be so, that your Holy Spirit would do in us what only you can do, and cause us to rightly reflect the glory of your presence. For he who said, Let there be light, has shown in our hearts the glory of God in the face of Christ. I pray that that would be so in our hearts as we continue this week. Very conscious of the robes we wear and thankful that we have them. In Christ's name, amen.